Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any hosts or guests' individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Ask Stephanie Show on the Coffee Clatch Network. Mayor Johnson has a new e-catalog with hundreds of products on sale. Mayor Johnson is your special education super source. Go to www.mayorjohnson.com to learn more. And thank you for the sponsor. Um, Our topic tonight is mainstream or special needs placement for your gray area child. And I'm excited to be speaking with two wonderful women, Linda Gardner, who is the admissions director for the Aaron School in New York City, and Chantal Aflalo, a highly regarded special needs and education advisor who help with the uh, difficult decision that many parents are faced with when it comes to what school is most appropriate for their child. So it is with great pleasure that I introduce to you Linda Gardner and Chantal Aflalo. Hi, Linda. Hi, Chantal. Hi. So this is a trip. It's a tricky topic, and there's really no right answer. I know we both, we all know, the three of us, that each child is an individual, and there are so many things that need to be taken into consideration when deciding what type of school is right for your child. I'm sorry, guys. Hello. We're here. Oh. Okay, We're waiting sorry. for a question. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. What ha- um, they, um, the switchboard switched off for a second. So, okay, it's, 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 it's back on, and let's continue. Okay, so we're going to jump right into it. I have a lot of questions for, um, for both of you, um, and we can decide. Um, let's start with Chantal first. Okay. Parents are often, I think, they're, they're worried socially about their children. These gray area kids, um, they... Maybe academically, they are. It's it's the right choice for them to be in a special needs school, but socially, they're they're just not. They may not fit in, and they may not fit the mold. Um, and they could probably go either way. But parents are really they're worried. They're concerned. What can you tell us when parents come to you as an advisor? What do you say to them? How do you guide them? Well, when parents have made that decision, which is a difficult one, to uh, place their child in a specialized environment, I always tell them that it's um, it's it's never a perfect fit all around. You know, you may be getting what you need academically and not what you need socially or vice versa. And in that case, 
um, you know, socially, if you have a child that's in a specialized environment for academic purposes and socially they're not getting everything that they need in that school, I always say there are ways to supplement. And I do recommend that for every child, that they should always have, especially those gray kids, they should always have one foot in the mainstream. And mm-hmm. you can do that in so many different ways. You can supplement with after-school activities. You can supplement with weekend leagues. You can supplement with sleepaway camp. And I do feel that those are wonderful opportunities for children to be able to learn from their neurotypical peers, both social, for socialization and pragmatic language, whatever difficulties that they, they may be having in school, do not necessarily have to affect them socially. So it is nice for them to keep one foot in the mainstream. Are there any, do you ever, ever see anything where it's like you see a negative because socially they're not, they're not comfortable at the school and it winds up being a downfall for the child? Well, there are times when parents come back and say, my child is picking up behaviors or, uh, you know, he has started imitating his friend at school. And I really think that, and I'm sure Linda could chime in, Mm -hmm. I really think that a a strong relationship with your school and being on top of these behaviors as soon as they begin are ways to be able to, um, you know, address them very quickly, uh, you know, both at home and at school. So having a very strong relationship with your school, if your child is, in fact, in in a situation where he's in a class with a different um, different kind of learner or someone who has, who has different type of behavior or profile from your child and your child may be picking things up that they, they didn't necessarily enter the program having, then it would be a, you know, a very uh, good recommendation for you to maintain a strong relationship with your teachers and to just be aware of all these things. And, right. and, and across the board, parents need to be vigilant. I think that that's something that they should always be aware of when they see changes in their children. And and just to add to that, if I may, the, yeah. what we see sometimes is that the child who is picking up some of the negative behaviors from perhaps some of the other children, they try on those behaviors because oftentimes negative behaviors get positive attention or so the child thinks they get attention. So once you t- teach the child that copying or absorbing that behavior is not going to get them what they need, they quickly stop it. So it really is, as Chantel said, up to the teacher and up to the school administration to sort of put the behavior plans in place so that the children are not getting positive reinforcement for acting out negatively. And that combined with what um, Chantel said, the child should then, you know, maintain their own behavior plan. Right. No, and having a good relationship with the classroom teacher and the school and as I'm sure, and I was going to actually get to this, um, and I, Linda, you would be a good person to ask, is the, the teacher ratio, the student ratio, mm-hmm. um, what is that typically in a more special placement school? Well, it ranges. I mean, there's there's 6 to 1 to 1, there's 8 to 1 to 1, and then there's 12 to 1 to 1. I think as you get smaller, such as the 6 to 1 to 1, it's the level of intensity and instruction, and usually the behaviors and the learning issues are a little bit more intense. As you get larger, clearly the learning issues are a little less intense because they can handle a class of 12, which becomes clearly a little more um, chaotic. And is the 12, like, is that when, as children get older? No, not necessarily. It all ages. Depends on the school. It just depends on the school and the child's disability. Okay. 
Um, another question that I actually um, wanted to talk to you about is I was doing some research, and in reading, um, I think a concern for parents is that the curriculum in a special needs school is watered down a bit and that, therefore, their child is not going to be properly taught and one day they they want them to attend college, that the, the material is they're just not going to be able to keep up because that wasn't their experience um, in middle school and high school and they won't be able to keep up in college. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that as a parent I would look for the I would ask direct a direct question what you know what type of curriculum does the school offer and most schools follow their state curriculum guidelines or core curriculum depending on where um the the child lives and so the, the the expectation and the standards are set high it's how the school adapts that education to the child and depending on you know what the child's issues are the child should be getting grade level curriculum it's just a, it's a matter of how it's being taught to them. I think that it is a concern, and, and many parents do come in concerned that their child will never get into college because they won't be at grade level. And the truth is, if they're if the expectations are high and they're following the state curriculum, the goal of most schools that I know of is to send as many kids or to leave open the opportunity for for college because mm-hmm. college is not for everyone. But for the right. that's the dream and the hope is that there's nowadays two-year colleges, there's four-year colleges, there's all different kinds of schools after high school that can provide, you know, a finishing education for a child. And and the colleges out there today have so many different programs for a child with special needs of varying types. So I, I think college really is attainable for just about anybody who wants it. And also, mm-hmm. I think it's important to add, I'm sorry, but but a lot of these special needs school, I, I mean, I, I feel that parents come to me and they say, Oh, my child is smart. He doesn't belong in a special needs school. And I and I want to, you know, want to really explain that many of the special needs schools cater to students that have average to above average intelligence. Um and there are reasons why they're at that program. Maybe they're having attention issues or maybe mm-hmm. they're having executive function issues related to organization or but there, there is something that's preventing them from being in a mainstream environment, but these kids are intelligent, and many of these specialized programs cater the, to those kids, and those kids... Which is very more, important. More yeah. often than not, go to college. Yeah. And, and yeah. for the colleges that, you know, the two-year programs, the associate programs, we see many, many schools opening up now, colleges with, even within our mainstream colleges that are offering lots of learning support because mm-hmm. they identif- they understand that many students are being identified with having learning issues and sometimes just having an attention issue and some organization issues can be the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. So they really, colleges are well aware of these issues now and they're offering a lot of support. As long as a student will advocate for himself, it's available. And more yeah. so than ever, colleges have really... Yeah open their doors to children with learning challenges. That's important. I mean, I'm sure when parents come and sit down with you, it's like you want them to probably look at the pros and cons of both um, opportunities because I think kids, I, I think kids could probably, there are some kids, especially these gray area kids, that could just probably do either, and you just don't know. And I'm sure that when parents come to you and say, I'm just, Mainstreaming. I'm sure. I mean, what what 
do you are you able to say to them like I want you to look at what 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 kind of things do you tell them that they should be looking at either way? Uh, I mean, who, yeah, we can go. You can you start. go first, and then oh. I'll go. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure. So, yeah. um, well, when ki- when families come to me and they're not sure which way to go, I, that's the hard. That's very hard for me because I I need to understand a, about the student. I need to understand what's 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 in the getting in the way of him being uh, having difficulty in his current program. So uh, it's very helpful to have some some testing done. You know, a neuropsych, a psychoed so that you can have, you know, a battery of tests that have been done to study the brain functioning and the academic functioning and how that all relates back to how a student takes in information. And more often than not, a a professional uh, neuropsychologist or or psychologist will make some type of setting recommendation, uh, whether it be a mainstream or a specialized support setting or a mainstream with support or you know so it could be a variety of different types of settings but there are a variety of different types of settings but they they need to put us on the path of what we need to look at for this child what will not work and what will work mm-hmm. um and within that setting how large a class of course what type of instruction is used um what accommodations that student might need in terms of you know sometimes technology sometimes uh, different types of curriculum that are are provided. So so it, it's very helpful to have all of that information. But when a family comes to me and they're really not sure which way to go, I do the first recommendation I make is to to make sure that family has had some sort of testing done on their child. Okay. And then, and then to, you know, on the other side, coming to me as the admissions director, wanting to possibly leave the special needs school and go into the mainstream. It's not so dissimilar. I mean, we do say I think an evaluation might help see where the child's come, how far the child's come, identify more strengths and weaknesses. And then we also make recommendations of, you know, check out the size of the classroom. It's very important. There are mainstream schools that have smaller classrooms, 15 to 18 kids. Check out the support on staff. Um, Check out what what the school's um, philosophy is in terms of, having a child with a reading issue or a math issue. And it it, it is not so dissimilar because many times families then do move on to the mainstream, but then some families after all of this evaluation say, you know what, I think my child needs a couple more years in the special needs setting still. So it's not so dissimilar. Well, you make another really good point that I actually did want to get to, and that's that I think parents feel, and I'm sure that, Chantal, you would probably hear this a lot, is that they're like almost just – Signing, uh, signing them away for the next for 10 years right. of this decision, which is um, I'm mainstreamed and now I can't get out of it or I'm, I'm putting them in a special needs school and now I'll never be able to mainstream. Is that, is that typically the case? Or, I mean, I would, le- I, I would think that as a child grows that more opportunities become available to them or maybe things aren't as great as they would have hoped, and so things change, correct? I mean, well, we do they, just because change. you start off one place <laughs> right. doesn't mean that you have to finish there? No, absolutely right. We we, we always, Linda and I are I will tell you that um, we look, we hope that every child is changing and they're on an upward trajectory, and in that case, it's always, it, you know, the parents, everyone involved has to be quite vigilant because, um you know, as a child changes and progresses, 
you want to move that child along and you want them to move into either a less restrictive environment or something that's more in line with their ability. Um, and so that's important that everyone is vigilant and everyone's watching out and, and, and really tracking the progress of that student. Um, and, and I think that it's important that we realize that, um, you know, when you have a child in special needs school, in a special needs school, it's not like you, you it's not like you can't go back to the mainstream. That's that's mm -hmm. not at all the case. I think mainstream schools are very welcoming of students that have had um, have had specialized education and have resolved their issues and their and and just and vice versa. I mean, schools mainstream schools are always um, referring students to environments that they feel are more supportive for for a time that they need to be supported. And uh, and so we see a lot of crossover, and we see schools working together to help with uh, making that transition possible for a child. Is it more typical, Linda, to see children start off um, at a special needs school and then move on to mainstream, or vice versa, or maybe it's you know, just not? It's, unfortunately, it's a very that's an individualized question. It's it varies. I, I mean, the children that come in the kindergarten year are usually coming from perhaps a therapeutic nursery school or a nursery mm -hmm. school with support, mm -hmm. and then and, and it just varies. Um, I, I don't know that there's a direct answer. Yeah. I, I, you know, I find I would I would think that parents who maybe weren't getting the support at their school, and I've toured schools before, um, special placement schools, and I, it is just, I say, to myself as I'm walking, and I always say to the person touring, I just can't believe the what's available and the support. So I would think that parents probably, it's probably really wonderful for them once they're able to get themselves there um, to yeah, be able to true. see what's available. And, and that brings me to my next question, which is we've talked a lot about the children and what, you know, what's appropriate and what, what children are comfortable with. But I want to talk a little bit about the parents because I think that this is a topic and I've heard parents myself and I've spoke with different admissions director and hear that that can be an issue, for, especially for children where it could go either way, where parents are just a little um, uncomfortable socially for themselves. There are social implications um, between their community or their friends where they feel that they're going to be viewed a certain way. Um, and it's really unfortunate that parents would feel that way, and hopefully you wouldn't want that to be, that they would make their decision based on it. But unfortunately, people do talk, and they have opinions, and it can sway parents. How much of that of this do you say? Um, we can start with Linda. I think, I think at first parents do meet this whole challenge with a lot of resistance. I think once they're in a school and they start to feel the sense of community, and they get the support from the school. I think many schools do offer parent support groups, or at least you can visit with the psychologist on staff and, you know, share your questions. And I think once they they get in and they actually see their child thriving, mm -hmm. their attitude changes. I think it's all a matter of this is not what I wanted, this is not what I planned for, but oh my goodness, my child's really opening up, my child's reading now, my child's talking now. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, every parent wants their child to really be in the best place possible, growing and moving forward. And so I think once they get there, 
it's a different story. I think the resistance that we meet before the child's actually in the school is hard. There's social implications, as you said, and mm-hmm. no matter what we say and no matter how we talk to parents about when the child is doing so well, you're going to see a different child. They can't understand it until they actually feel it. So, Chantal, do you have anything to offer on yeah, that? Yeah, I was yeah. wondering, Chantal, do you think yeah. parents come to you with a definitive, like, I'm not doing this? And Yeah, it's, they have. They have. Yeah. They have come to me with a definitive, I'm not doing this. But you know, Right, and then it's, it's for your process. job to say, to open yeah. their eyes, right? Well, it's a process. I, 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 I do hope that at the end of the process they've come, to the, they've come to a decision that we've come to together as a group, myself with them and, their, and, and the parents, and, and that we've decided what is best for that child. Because at the end of the day, I think it's important for everyone to realize that it's the child's self-esteem that is at stake. And if that child doesn't feel good about himself, then none of us have done what we're supposed to do. We haven't accomplished anything. So I really feel like if 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 a parent can open up their minds and, and slowly get accustomed to what's out there, and that's part of how I help families by really just taking them slowly through that process. The ones that aren't, aren't on board immediately do need a little more time and a little more hand-holding, and I understand that. It does take time to really understand that your child needs something different and that you've you know you're almost going through a grieving process Mm -hmm. which is very upsetting Um, no that's a good way of putting it well you've lost the child you thought you had and um and it's very sad for parents to come to that conclusion but at the same time there's so much more that you can get from that child when they're finally happy and thriving as linda said in the right environment and there is no, there we don't place limits on children and we're always there to watch and to help and support the next transition both at the school level and at the at the advisory level all of us work together to really help that family move through the process and if that child doesn't belong in a special needs school for more than a few years we're the first ones to come to them and say time to go you know mm-hmm. we got to move on because this child is, has accomplish what he needed to accomplish and we're ready to move on to something else um and and that's that's really important that parents understand that process that you know as long as their child's self-esteem is being nourished and they're mm-hmm. happy and they feel Absolutely. That they can thrive i think everyone's happy it's interesting just on another on the opposite end um i have i have three kids and i have uh, a son who the way my school works is that the inclusion class um starts off at a different school in our district so we have six different elementary schools so um the inclusion class takes a turn every single year starting it happened to be that my 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 eldest son um was the year that they started kindergarten with his with his grade so there were three classes instead of two and it's so Interesting. I almost think of it in the opposite way to say, wow, what a gift that my um, older son's grade went through school with the inclusion class and was able to be exposed to children with autism and Asperger's Mm -hmm. and PDD and maybe just some other disorders that were related to that because they are just more attuned. They're more sensitive. Um, And my daughter didn't. I mean, she grew up in a school with these children, but not in the same grade where they were brought into the classroom. And and there's such a difference. And I actually wound up writing an article about it after they graduated on just 
how they taught our children a lot. And it brings me to, I had asked my kids tonight, I told them what I was doing and this is what my, you know, they know I do my show. And I said, this is what my show is on. And they have a few kids that they, they really love in the class. And I said, the show is basically like, would such and such be going to a, you know, a school that would be more with kids that are more like him or would he be in your school? And like, they like, couldn't believe, what do you mean? I mean, of course he has to be in our school. Our whole school loves him and they're so um they just they they've learned so much from him and being exposed to not just him but uh, uh, many of the kids in the class um it happens to be that there's one boy in my son's math class but it's interesting to see um socially um and culturally for kids i think it's there's something to be said on the other end of the coin for um, these children feeling like they're in society and they're mainstreamed and they're making a lot of different friends and maybe not everyone like them and and sort of inspiring a lot of people's lives and feeling like they are part of a crowd and that when they go to the movies, they're just like everyone else or when they're at a restaurant, they're sort of used to being around um, everyone and there's... I, Another way to look at it, and I, I, I happen to really love that my kids are exposed to it, and I guess if no one mainstreamed, then they wouldn't be. Um, so right. I don't know what your, what your well, thoughts I, are on the, that. The only, thing, the only thing I'll say to that is I totally agree with you. I mean, for the right child who can be in a mainstream school, in some classes mainstream, some classes special ed, that's wonderful. But I have to say the children who are in inclusion, inclusive schools like ours they don't know that this school is any different. They have no mm-hmm. idea that they're at a special, quote-unquote, school. They're at their school. This is their school. They skip and they run down the hallway. They have their friends. And I don't. And actually, when their siblings come to our school, they're so happy. It's a nurturing place. So I don't. I think there's two sides to it. But I yeah. do think that when kids are. Th- I think the answer is when kids are thriving, socially, emotionally, academically, wherever they are is the right place, whether it's all special needs, whether it's half special needs, whether it's an inclusion program, you know, it's it's their school. And I think that's the goal, I think, of all special ed schools and special ed classes within schools is to make these kids feel like they're at the right place. It doesn't yeah. need a label, so to speak. Absolutely. We have a phone call, so I'm going to see if – let me hold on and see. Hello? Hello, caller? Oh, the callers dropped. Maybe they're going to call right back. Um, no, you make a very good point. Um, and I, it's, of course, you actually hit on a really another great point, which is that the siblings. Um, and I wanted to get to that. So, I think parents. I know when parents come to me and um, Chantal, I they're probably saying the same to you. But there are parents that say. I need my children to stay together. We're a family. If one goes to one school, I, I don't want to feel like I can't send my kids to school together and grow up together. Um, I need to find a place that's right for both of them. And even though, unfortunately, as you may agree, that they don't, they probably, each school isn't right for them. I find that sometimes parents um, feel strongly about this, and, and that's really a problem. So, Chantal, do you face that when, pe- when yeah. parents call you? 
Yes, and I face that often. Sometimes families come to me come to me with twins, and one is developing a little differently than the other, and and so I always say to them, you have to do what's right for each child, because uh, just like there is no perfect environment for for any of these children, each child is different, and they develop so differently. And it would not be fair to one to have the, you know, just because you want to keep your family together. I understand that. That's a that's a lovely ideal. And I, in the perfect world, everyone should go to their school a block away and be able to, you know, right. have all right. their friends within a five-block radius, and it should be lovely that way. But that's not... Unfortunately, that's not reality, and reality is, is, and we have so many choices today, thankfully. We have so many environments that are available for every different kind of learner, and I think it would really not be to the advantage of the child to, who's having difficulty to place them in a, in a higher-functioning environment if they can't keep up because at the end of the day they'll be coming home and feeling sick about going to school or starting to get frustrated at home or acting out in class and 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 that will that will have a negative impact all around on the family unit on on the child and and certainly in school so it and, is tough. and I think there's so many other opportunities and I say this to parents I'm sure you do too which is weekend after school um mm-hmm. opportunities where they can certainly bond um but Linda is are there do you do schools do things to incorporate families and siblings also so that they can all feel like a part of um, a school? I mean, I know my school will have like a bingo night or a movie night. Do, right. Are siblings, is that thing. something that is encouraged as well? Yes, it's, it's encouraged. It's done. Uh, we do special person's day, special sibling day. We have um, siblings come in and do a presentation on work that they're doing in their schools they are, you know, allowed to come to the park if they're often, you know, sometimes the vacations are not the same, so they're able to come visit at the park with us if it's their vacation time. It is clearly wanted and needed. We think it's very important to include the siblings and the parents in, in a lot of the things, especially um, some of the more fun activities. There's carnivals and there's concerts, and we encourage families to bring their child, all of their children and there are always lots of opportunities for parents to be involved as they would be in their other child's uh you know mainstream environment there are PTAs there are there are spring benefits there are tons of activities that they get involved in uh just as they would with their other children so i think it's a nice place to connect and it's an and and let's not forget that families that have special needs children sometimes feel very isolated and i think yes. that being in a school that ha- that where they can finally exhale and say, oh, you have a child like I do and you must understand what I'm going through and to be able to connect with another family on that level is priceless. So I oh. do feel that there's this other level of connection that parents have and this 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 comfort zone that they come into when they're in when they're in, a, in an environment that's right for their child. No, absolutely. And I think that as much support um, friendship support, family support is so important. And like you said, looking around and meeting new people and saying, you know, like, I get it. I know what you're going through. And making outside friendships is very important for families, as I'm sure. I, I mean, Linda, you, you see, I'm sure you see a lot of that in your school. 
You know what? I'm so sorry. Can you repeat that question? Oh, I was just saying that I'm sure you see a lot of your families um, form outside friendships and support also. And Yes. And I think that that common thread and that bond between them is, as Chantal said, it's priceless and it's needed because these families, they've accepted a lot in hearing that their child needs something different than they expected. It's really nice to have someone else on the other side to share thoughts and resources with and the community is is tremendously important tremendously important yeah no that's i i I'm, i think it's very important that parents just feel like they're not they're not alone they're not the only ones right um okay so also just as far as um just getting back to the mainstream chantal do you find that um parents that are mainstreaming their kids do you feel that their child is typically struggling um, with homework, like work that they have to bring home? Do you find that they're struggling more than when kids that are in a special placement and that it's it's difficult for them and they're just sort of like treading water? It depends. I mean, I, the, the struggles are very individualized. It could be some students struggle socially. You know, they're having difficulty socially. They're They're keeping up academically, but something is really off and, and they're they're having difficulty, they're missing social cues, and so they're having a lot of difficulty keeping, keeping up with their typical peers. And when they're young, it's, it's more accepted, and when they get older, then they're opening themselves up to being disconnected from their peers, and, and maybe even worse, even bullying and other types of um, adverse behaviors from their, from their uh, peer group. Yeah, and, and sometimes we see that it's more academic in nature. You know, they're they're having difficulty. They're needing too much tutoring support, for example. I always say that if a child needs tutoring in every subject, they're in the wrong school. Um, mm-hmm. I really feel like that's something that parents really have to pay attention to because there should be time for that child to ha- be a child, to be able to come home and relax and 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 not always be trying to catch up. Um, and so that's a good playing, point. It's a good catching, rule of thumb. If they're catching up too much, and trying, mean, you know, trying to catch up too much, then there's something wrong with. There's a disconnect in the environment that they're learning in and who they are as a learner. So that I think is is important for parents. That's an important on. sign for parents. I really want to make anyone listening. I think that that's an important sign. Um, if you feel that if your child is just in every single subject where you need to tutor them to just keep them afloat, then it's time to think about other options. Um, And I know someone had actually tweeted me today uh, just even about homeschooling. Um, What are your thoughts? Do you ever get parents that are interested in homeschooling their kids as another option? I do. I do. And and Linda, you probably hear families asking about it as well, what you think mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when they come to me and ask for homeschooling, I have to say that's that's a pretty drastic step, in my opinion, because what it does is it really extracts a child from any kind of social connection. Mm-hmm. And, and yet there are families that do it that do not have any issues, any academic or social issues with their children. They just choose to homeschool their children. And, and and that is their prerogative. I do feel that it's 
difficult to ha- I mean in the normal course of of life children go to school and they right. attend a school and they have social connections at that school and they have lunch in a noisy lunchroom or they don't you know they they have mm-hmm. a, you know a quieter lunchroom in their classroom but th- these are these are important phases of their lives um and but to remove that I think is is a very drastic step I and but, just yeah I'm sorry continue yeah, go ahead Linda I'm sorry I was just going to say that, you know, I think so. it's so important to give these children what they need academically, whatever that means. But I think equal to that is that if they don't have the social skills to meet the academic skill that they have, it's going to, it's like so what at that point? You know, if a child doesn't have that social awareness or at least is being taught the social awareness and when the ch- parents homeschool the child, that whole social piece mm-hmm. is removed. And while Mm -hmm. immediately it might seem like a great fix because, well, my child doesn't have to worry about the social piece, they don't have to, you know, get anxious. And And it's avoidance. It's avoidance. The truth is that's that's exactly what they do need. And I have, as as Chantal said, I don't think it's usually an ideal situation. I think that school is part of life. And being social and being academically challenged at whatever level you come to it at, it's, it's just so important. Right, and we have no, to learn I, how I to, tend how to, to agree. Yeah, um, we have to learn how to function as a group in life. Yes, yes. We have to learn how to collaborate and negotiate, and be able to stay in a relationship. So all of that's important that we learn innately in school. We learn just just by sitting in circle time when we're little, and then by doing a science project with a lab partner. I mean, these are things that we're taught to do in school, and we learn how to stay in a relationship with others as a result. But if we don't have that opportunity to do that, it gets harder to do that when you're older. Yeah, I think also parents are afraid of what people may think of them. Um, and I'm sure, Linda, you're faced with this, and it's a good question to ask you, is how much do you want parents to tell you? How much do you want them to open up and share with you? Because that that's the reason I think that's many parents um, right. hold back. They're afraid if they tell too much, they're not going to be accepted into the school or they're going to be kicked out of a school. Um, if well, they, you can tell you know, Linda anything. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say. <laughs> Linda I happens feel... to be one of the most special people on earth. You can tell her <laughs> anything. Well, thank oh, you. Well, I but know I her, do... too, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I have to say I, I really enjoy the conversations with parents, and I, I truly wish and hope that every parent's telling me the story because at the end of the day, if the child is not the right fit for our school, why do they want them there? And it's not like you're trying to get your child into a mainstream school, you're getting your child into a special needs school that wants to know everything so that we're aware of it all so we can all be a team and work together. And without all of the information, it doesn't behoove the child at all. And there are times when parents don't give us all of the background information and it it doesn't serve the child well Mm -hmm. because things happen and we are unaware of it. And then the parents said, oh, I never told you this. Well, it doesn't, it's, it's, you're not hurt. You're hurting your child ultimately. So right. the more you tell me, I can then say I've seen it. We've been there. I know it. You know, to chances are, any special needs school has seen everything. And the more you tell us, the better off your child is. Right. I mean, I think that's great. I think maybe more a special needs school may have more. Um, empathy or they may just be able to, like you said, you've seen it, you've been through it, you've done it, whereas I think when it's a mainstream environment, 
Um, I think parents are just hoping, like, if I just go through the process, I get them in, they meet them, mm-hmm. it's a good day, and I'll just deal with it when the, when the situation arises um, and hoping that it's it's not going to be as bad as it could be. Right. Um, and, and, like, it winds up, it could really backfire. So open book, open poli- parents really need to be able to share so that they can that these things don't unfold in the middle of the school year. Correct, correct. And because the it's the child that will hurt ultimately in the end. And, yes. And the parents aren't sitting at their office or at home waiting for a phone to ring saying, you know, they're always waiting for that other shoe to drop when they yes. when they haven't said everything. So they're always expecting that something could go wrong, and that is not a good place to be. So I do recommend families, even when we are looking at mainstream schools, there are mainstream supportive schools out there. You just need to understand your child's needs and communicate them in a way that a school will help you and understand how to help you. And if they can't help you, then we're not looking at the right school. That's right, so, yeah. So that's that's the bottom line. And, I mean, I, I want to give this time for each one of you if there's, like, any piece of advice for parents that are listening, because I think there's parents that will be listening because they will one day have to face this question or they're dealing with it right now. Um, is there anything that each one of you would want to add to to parents thinking about this um, decision, you know, advice, anything that each one of you want to share? If you want, Linda, you want to go first. I mean, I think that the bottom line to all of this is putting your child in the right environment really makes the world of difference, whether it's mainstream or special needs. I think your heart sort of dictates a lot of it. Your gut feeling dictates a lot. And it's all going to be okay. These children are all going to be terrific children. They still they are and they will continue to be. But the right learning environment really makes an enormous difference. That's true. Yeah. And Chantal, anything you would like to add? And I would say, you know, we as parents, we're all parents on the phone, and we as parents, our our main goal is to see our children happy and feeling successful and to see them be able to handle what they can academically and emotionally. Uh, So so we all have the same goals. Our our schools have the same goals that we do for our children, and we we have the same goals personally for our family. So I, I think it's important that we realize that everyone's coming from the same place and, and to keep an open dialogue and to make sure that you're watching your child. So whatever environment they're in, that you, you have your finger on the pulse and you're always watching to see to make sure that, you know, they're doing okay, they're still okay, it's not too much pressure, they're, they're, not, they're not having too much difficulty in any one subject area or, you know, is it time to take a look at a different environment, is it time to have some testing done? It's always good to be alert and, and and have a great communication system going with your school, but also with your child. So Absolutely. I, and and like you just said, I like what you just said with your child because you know what? They're people and they have a, they have a say and they they're going to say things to parents that that are important and that if parents they need to listen and tune in to um what what they're saying because they count too in the process. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, I just I have to just say, I mean, this was such an important topic, and um, it really did stem from me having a family that I met with recently and dealing with this tough issue and me saying, you know what, this is something really a lot of parents could benefit from. 
And I, I hope that anyone listening today, if they're able to pass this information along to friends and family um, that they have, I think that this is it's this is a lot of very very helpful information. So I will have this interview in archive both on my website www.askstephanieaskstefanie.com and my Facebook page as, as well as the Coffee Clatches website www.thecoffeeclatch.com. Um, parents, educators, anyone who was lucky enough to be listening, I hope you gained some knowledge, some insight, and some food for thought. Because when making this decision about school, it's it's an important one. And I try to inspire parents every time I meet with them. Every kid is different, and it's it's okay. And as parents, we have to make our children in, put, place our children in an environment where they're happy and they're comfortable. And I, I leave parents with the thought to say, do not worry about what your friends, your neighbors, your family are saying, their opinion, what they're doing with their child. You do what you think is right for your child. That is the most important decision that you and your husband, your family, um, your children together can make. So thank you so much, Linda and Chantal, for being with us tonight and inspiring parents to think about all that goes into this very important decision. I really appreciate your knowledge and your insight tonight. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, and good night. Good night. Good night.